Good morning on this Saturday morning and welcome to our devotional Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. If you were with us and joined us yesterday, we were talking about the pattern that was given to David concerning the building of the temple. This was a temple that was built by Solomon. And we have been looking at and we have been studying the importance of knowing God's timing of when to do what in our lives. We said we we're going to be looking at the book of Zechariah concerning the command of the the rebuilding or the flow that was needed to rebuild Solomon's temple after it had been destroyed. And uh, basically, uh, in chapter 4, it's a vision about the lampstand and, and the command that is given. Three individuals involved, and that was uh, Zechariah the prophet. And we had Joshua, the high priest. And then we had Zerubbabel, which would be the leadership or the government of that time. And the things that we have been looking at was the construction of the tabernacle by Moses, the construction of the temple by Solomon, the rebuilding of the temple, Solomon's temple, by Zerubbabel, and then Jesus building his church, the temple of God, to inhabit. And then, of course, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, in chapter 44 onward, uh, the building of the temple uh, for Israel during the time of the Antichrist or the Great Tribulation. Now, as we enter into our study today, as I mentioned, we covered David yesterday. And all the intricacy and particulars that were involved, it included the people that were going to be doing the worship and the musical instruments and the tools that were going to be used and everything that was involved for the work of the ministry, no minute detail was left out. Everything was included. It's the same thing that we find in the book of Exodus concerning the building of the tabernacle by Moses. So as we look at it in chapter 31, starting with verse 1 onward, it says, The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name, Bezali, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Holy Spirit, or the, the Spirit of God, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Now, you have to remember that in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says that we are his workmanship. The word for workmanship is the word poema. It's basically, we are his poem. God is writing out a poem about our lives. And it's an interesting word that is used there. But here in the Old Testament, it says that he was filled, this man was filled with wisdom, with understanding, with the Spirit of God, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. And here's some of the things that they had to devise. You have to remember, they didn't have the electronic and technological age that we have today. And yet they had the wisdom to do things that it's very difficult even today to try to duplicate these things. To devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones to set them in carving of timber 
to work in all manner of workmanship. I mean, we're looking at a craftsman that had the ability to work with all these precious metals. He had the ability also to work with the precious stones. He had the ability to work with timber. He was a carpenter or a craftsman in that area. And then it says in verse number 6 onward, And I behold, I have given him, with him, uh, Aholabad, uh, the son of Asimach, of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. So notice, it was not just one man, it was not two men, but it was the work of all those individuals whom God had called and had appointed to be involved in all of this. But it involved, first of all, the Spirit of God. That was the most important thing of all. It was the Spirit of God. He directing and commanding and giving the instruction of what, the where, the who, and everything that was involved. In verse number 7 of the same chapter of Exodus, the tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is thereupon, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and his furniture, and the pure candlestick, with all his furniture and the altar of incense. And then the scripture says, And the altar of burnt offering with all its furniture and the labor and its foot. In other words, this was the labor and it sat upon a pedestal. This is where the priests would wash themselves. And then in verse 10 it says, The clothes of the service and the holy garments of Aaron, the priest. I mean, now we're looking at someone that was a designer and a seamstress to be able to do all of this. It's absolutely astounding the ability that God had given these men uh, to be able to do. And it was, uh, the garments were for his sons to minister in the priest's office. And verse 11 says, and the anointing oil. Now, uh, you know, what France and... All of these uh, countries that put out these uh, uh, costly perfumes, they could never duplicate what God had commanded them to do. The anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, they shall do. God has a pattern for everything in our lives and in his order of things. God is a God of order. And everything in our lives is to be ordered according to his patterns, his principles, his word, his spirit. So that means that God has a pattern and a plan for our home, your home, for our marriages, for those that are married or for those that are single. God has a plan for them too. wives, husbands, children, finances, your work, your relationship with others. Your relationship to God, our words, giving, our body, our physical body, the church body of Christ. All of these things have been given a pattern by God as how they are to function. Just like you could not take the altar of incense 
and use it outside for sacrifices and use the brazen altar outside and use it for an altar of incense inside. Everything had its purpose and its pattern. They all were to foreshadow the coming of Christ, which is the reality of all these things. But at the same time, it foreshadows the church, the building of the body of Christ, the temple of God. So when we look at some of these and consider them, we begin to see that the patterns that are outlined by God are very specific. And he outlines them in the New Testament, and he'll outline certain things in the Old Testament, and he lets us know exactly what is his predetermined plan. Concerning marriage, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Wives, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In Ephesians 5.24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. That was Colossians 3.18. Husbands, Ephesians 5.23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Now I want you to consider this. The husband holds three titles according to the scripture. He is the prophet of the home, in other words, to give it the direction. He is the priest of the home to guide in worship and things related to the spiritual things. And he is also what we would call the leader, the head, or the king. He is the ruler, the governing ruler of the home. That is his responsibility. Failure to take up that responsibility will met will be met at judgment day as to why that was not accomplished. In Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ has loved the church. The word that is used there for love <clears throat> is the word agape. Now, the word agape is the God kind of love. All you have to do is read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it tells you what that type of love is. It's not that uh, eros love. It's not that lustful lust uh, love that comes from Hollywood, uh, uh, kind of like like Thumper being tweeterpated in that in that cartoon movie of uh, uh, Bambi. It's not that type of love, but the type of love that God talks about in the Scripture is one that is absolutely unselfish. It's selfless. In other words, it doesn't consider itself; it considers all others. Love suffers according to First uh, Corinthians thirteen four onward. Love suffers long; it's kind. Love envies not. Love does not exalt itself. Love is not puffed up. It doesn't behave unseemingly. It doesn't seek its own. In other words, it seeks that of others to promote them. It is not easily provoked. 
It doesn't think evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. So when you consider this and look at it as part of your thinking, it's saying, husbands, basically, you live a life of sacrifice for your wives, even as Christ lived a life to sacrifice himself for the church. And he did give himself even up until his death. In Colossians 3.19, the scripture says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. In the area of finances, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. There is a possibility that many people's lives do not prosper because there is a failure and a breakdown in many of the patterns that God has established. Everything from relationships that are not going right, unforgiveness in people's hearts, bitterness, wrath, anger, malice, envy, jealousy, all of these things, including the works of the flesh. That's a possibility. But if our relationship with others is not correct, then most likely our relationship with God is off course also. How can we be on track with God if we're off track with our fellow human beings, especially those of the household of God? But of course, that includes everybody else. So, beloved, this is a pattern. God wants us to prosper to be in health, even as our soul prospereth. Have peace of mind, have peace of heart. The shalom of God rule in you. The scripture says in Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you measure, it shall be measured back to you again. And then in the book of Philippians 4.15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. And in Acts 20.35, it says, And I show you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus how it is more blessed to give than to receive. See, these are patterns that are laid out for us. A violation of the patterns means that we're off course. If we're off course, then that means we're not on track. And that is a great reason why there may be lack of peace, lack of health, lack of blessing in our lives, our homes, our families, our jobs, our marriages, and everything else. Consider this today. Are you on track and in his time? Consider it food for thought and for the imagination. Till we meet on Sunday morning, the Lord richly bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.